Good morning. Um, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord God, we're just thankful to be here today. Thank you for the gifts and abilities that you've given to each and every one of us. And Lord, I just pray that we're using them for your honor and glory in the areas that you have called us to use them. Um, just pray as we dig into your word this morning that we would take the time to really hear what it is the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me get this facing the right way. If you have your bulletin in front of you, um, I'm going to ask two questions that I'd like you to think about and or something else to write on and just make a list. And those two things are, what are the things you do? So what are some things that you do? And the other one is, where are you doing them? Okay. Like, for example, I would put on my to-do list, I coach soccer. And where do I do that? In Penn Manor's youth organization. Um, so things like that that you would put onto your list. And as you make that list, um, is the answer to these questions tied into what God has asked you to do and where he is asking you to do it? Now, how many of you knew that this week was National Volunteer Week? Just a show of hands. I'm curious if anyone knew that. Okay, a few of you. I did not know until Facebook told me so, and because it was on Facebook, it had to be true, that this week was National Volunteer Week. Um, I did not know that. I, I don't know who comes up with some of the holidays and stuff we have, but it's awesome that we have a week to celebrate volunteers. And um, I did not know that when I was preparing this week's sermon, so I thought that was pretty cool, that this week being National Volunteer Week, and we're going to be talking about volunteering. And I've been praying that two things will happen this morning. One, I'm hoping that we can celebrate with you some of what God is doing here at GBC and some of what God is doing through you in our community. And the other thing is, I hope that you're challenged to be more engaged in ultimately doing what it is that God would have you do for his glory. Now, if you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 together. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now, try and imagine with me the scene here, and we'll talk about a little bit of 
um, some of the backstory, Jesus' ministry had begun. Um, if you look in Luke chapter 4, Jesus had started by going and teaching in Nazareth in the synagogue. And in Luke chapter 4, while he's teaching, you'll notice that Jesus said some things that had upset some of the local people within that synagogue. And so what do they do? They run him out to the edge of town and were going to cast him off the cliffs. Well, Jesus then, um, with the Holy Spirit, moves through the crowd. And after that, we get to where he's going from town to town and performing miracles. And as he's performing these miracles, he gets a crowd that starts to follow him. And it kind of brings us here to where we're at in chapter 5. Jesus, again, is teaching and has a crowd following him, and he gets by the lake. And as the crowd gets closer and closer, and Jesus steps into the boat and asks Simon Peter to put him out a little bit so he could sit down and teach. And then when Jesus finishes up, he says to him, take me into the deep to let down the nets. And here's my first challenge to you. How do we respond to God at his word? Do we listen to Jesus or do we ignore him? Now, I don't know about you, but personally, if I've been working all day, trying to do something. I used to work construction. So if I be out working all day, I have all my tools out throughout the course of the day, and whatever I'm trying to do, say it's not successful. So I come back, I clean everything up, I get it ready, I put it away, and then someone comes and asks me to get it out again. And these fishermen, knowing their trade, (laughs) when Jesus asked that, I can imagine a little bit of hesitancy. I, I really don't want to get my nets back out, and do this. How are we going to respond to his word? In verse 5, Peter responds by, at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, I have some people coming up today, and I have two questions before they come up. The first is, do you know God's word well enough to know what he's asking you to do? And with that question, um, Ryan, Caitlin, and Mr. Hershey are going to come up and share about some of what they're doing so that they can know God's word better and then how they are using God's word from what they're learning. Is this on? Oh, well, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Sean Hershey. I'm the commander of Awana. And I brought some students up here uh, to share some of the great things that God is doing in Awana and how they've learned to apply God's word. Not just the words they're memorizing, but taking it into their heart and actually applying it. Uh, but before we start, I also wanted to share some uh, highlights with you about from Awana, some of the things that the kids have learned to follow God's word. Uh, this year, we are, our missions team decided that we were going to team up with Mrs. Finelli, and we were going to collect shoes for her. And uh, we started the year out, I remember thinking, like, uh, maybe we should collect 50 shoes. I think that would be a good goal. Well, the kids came in real excited, and Ms. Finelli's like, no, you better up this to 100. I'm like, okay, no problem. Well, they end up collecting 210 pairs of shoes for her ministry. Oh. The cool part about that wasn't that they collected 210 pairs of shoes. For me, the cool part was when Ms. Finelli came back, And she told us how those shoes have actually impacted people outside of here and made a difference in their lives. So that one little ripple of collecting 210 pairs of shoes made a big wave for someone in Africa. And then on top of that, it gave her money to give glasses to more people. So that was really neat to see how that that had an effect. Uh, The other neat part was our clubbers brought over 50 friends to Awana, which allowed us to, to grow by over 40 clubbers. But it was an outreach And through that, two more of our clubbers accepted Christ as their Savior. 
We continue to get more and more youth involved. They keep stepping up, which is amazing. We have four more of our youth that have now been trained through uh, Mrs. Miller. And that, that program is just, for me, has been neat to watch happen and to see the to see them interact with the children. Uh, over 4,300 sections were memorized this year through the clubbers. That's like, that is an amazing, that's not verses, that's sections. There could be two or three verses per section. So uh, they've memorized a lot. And finally, the last piece was uh, at the end of the year, we teamed up with the missions team again. And uh, Carl, and Kasky, uh, or Carl and Cindy Caskey uh, are missionaries up in New York and they run a club. And they are struggling to even provide uniforms. And they didn't have much of a store. So we went through the missions team side, we were going to team up with them. So we went out and we purchased some gifts. And I remember standing there, I'm like, yeah, I can handle this table by myself, no problem. Uh, I was way wrong. The sparks came in and immediately swamped the table. Mr. Manning had to come and help me. It was kind of funny. And they purchased every one of those gifts. And not only that, they went over to our store, purchased gifts, and brought them over. We were sending over 200 items to them. And Carl and Cindy were just they couldn't believe that they never met these kids, yet they wanted to follow God's word and spend 23% of their wanted dollars. It was actually more like 30%, but those are the numbers I could work with. But about 30% of their wanted dollars were spent on someone else. So I thought that was neat. So highlights from our year, the way the clubbers follow Christ, uh, again, was an amazing year. But I have two people up here. Uh, one thing we'd like to do as leaders is give these kids a chance because you know how nervous they are right now. And to give them that courage to stand up, we we're going to learn today about how someone this week, through Awana, through her wisdom, and through the strength of herself, stood up for God during school this week. So to start, though, I want to talk a little bit about our leaders uh, one of the things we had this year was one of our clubbers was having trouble memorizing verses just because of a language barrier. And to do that, so with that trouble, what uh, one of our leaders, Mr. Johnson, did was set up a mentor for Imani. And through that mentorship, the, uh, I'm going to let Ryan tell you a little bit more, but Ryan was able to mentor Imani. So our kids are now getting involved and in working with people and discipleship. So here to tell you more is Ryan. Hello, I'm Ryan. And a one verse that I had to memorize was John fifteen twelve, And this is my command. Love one another just as I have loved you. I believe this Awana verse applies as to one of the reasons as to why I helped Imani. I was able to work with Imani to help him memorize his verses for Awana. I was able to help him by reading the Awana verses to him and listening to him say them back to me. I also helped explain the longer words and their meaning to him. I learned that by taking the time to help someone can make a big difference in their life and that when you help someone, they can eventually do it themselves. That was neat for me to see the lessons that you learned from there, uh, coming up with that with him. But uh, yeah, the lessons that we can learn just by giving kids an opportunity is, is just amazing to me. Next up, one of the ways, too, that kids help... Uh, prepare and memorize God's words, not just through the books that they learn, the handbooks, but we have this thing called quizzing. And that also gets more people involved. So here to tell us a little bit more about quizzing is going to be Caitlin. So I'm going to ask her a series of questions. She wanted to do this through question and answer. So I'm going to ask her some questions and let her answer those. So what did you have to do to prepare for quizzing? I had to study sections one through four in my book, which is the first half of the book. And I had to, they ask you questions. I had to memorize 
an answer to a question. I had to memorize the reference and the verse that goes with that question. I also had to learn multiple answers to that question because sometimes they ask you, um, there are eight answers to the question, so they will ask you all eight, and I had to know all eight of them and which verses went with them and the verses that went with the answers. Now, when you get to the competition, it's not just that they ask you questions. There's three parts to it. So can you explain those three parts for us? There's paddle quizzing, um, speed quizzing, and a written response. The paddle quizzing is where the judges have three um, answers for you. It's either A, B, or C, and you have those on your paddles. They'll ask you a question and give you the answers for the paddles, and you have around five seconds to think of your answer, but you can't give any indication of what your answer is going to be. So, like, you can't put your hand on the paddle that's going to be, and then they'll say paddles up, and that's when you put your paddle up, and you can't look into the crowd. You have to keep your head down at all times, or else you're disqualified from that question, which isn't easy. The speed quizzing is you have a buzzer, and you just buzz in as fast as you can when you know it, and that is not easy, especially getting up to the microphone. That's not easy. Um, the written response is you have multiple-choice questions that's on paper. Sometimes you might have to do a written response, like fill in the end of the verse or the beginning, and that's all the three parts of quizzing. Now, Question. What have you learned from that experience? Well, every year I learned that it's fun, but every year it gets harder. So I have to tell myself that I have to study even more and more. And kids come to quizzing, and they know the verses inside and out. They could say it in their sleep. That's how they know it. That's how well they know the verses. And you have to study so hard because... You can use the verses later in life. You don't, you don't just use them to get money or to be good in quizzing to get those awards. You use them, and when you hide them in your heart, that helps you. Amen. <laughs> One last question. Is there anything that you've learned in Awana this year? Well, in third grade, we learned that approved workmen are not ashamed and at Second Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you have to memorize verses, and I memorize a lot of verses, and that helps me, especially in school. This week in school, I stood up for God that he created the world during science class because they were talking evolution. And I got this weird feeling in me that the Holy Spirit wanted me to stand up, and I Mr. Schnabel came in, and we talked about Genesis over around six weeks, and using what he said for the six days of creation helped me. So you learn a lot in Awana, and that helps you later in life, and helps you now as a kid. Thank you for giving us the time to come up here. It's neat how uh, teachers, leaders, we have an impact. All right, and through the WANA program, through God, through everything here and the work that we all do here as a church, thank you for everything you do and the support you have given us because these kids, it is making a difference. Mm -hmm. I can end now, right?
Thank you guys very much. Um, How do you respond when God's word may not make any human sense to you? God does not always work in common sense kind of ways. And we heard how those kids responded to God's words prompting in their heart. Well, when you look here at this passage we were looking at, and Peter, and how did he respond to Jesus? Um, Jesus asked him to go put out into the deep. The fishermen had been out there. They had been out there all night long, have not caught anything. To them, that's not common sense to go back out at that point in time. Um, God does not always work in common sense kind of ways. What if Moses would have successfully opted out of leading the Israelites out of Egypt? Or as an army, as we heard um, the chorale sing, as an army is chasing him and he's standing there at the Red Sea, um, it's not a lot of common sense to, oh yeah, I'm going to take my staff and sit here and the waters will part. But he faithfully responded. Um, Noah, <laughs> what if Noah, instead of building an ark, builds a two-man raft? Okay. Peter, who denied Christ three times, was the rock on which Jesus built his church. Saul, who persecuted Jesus' followers and held cloaks to those who stoned Stephen, takes the word of Jesus around the Mediterranean as a missionary and as a church planner. I don't know what God is asking you to do in your heart. I have no clue about that. I can try to point out observations. Probably one of the most common questions that someone will come to me and ask is, what do you think God wants me to do? And I love to be a part of those conversations. But I can't tell you what the Lord has put on your heart to do. I can point out what I see. I can point you back to Scripture. But only the Holy Spirit can talk to you on that. I mean, personally, I'm the kind of person that God can take a billboard sometimes and put it in front of me, and I still don't get it. Then he has to grab me by the back of the head and stick my nose into the billboard because I don't often see that. And then there's other times where I just need to calm, meditate on God's word, pray, and be slow enough to hear God working in that still small voice. Jesus asking Peter to put down the nets again probably did not make any sense to him. But he responds with submission. When God is asking us to do what doesn't make human sense, it's easy to come up with all kinds of excuses not to do it. Where's the money going to come from? I just don't have the time. I'm not good at that. And I'm also know that God is not asking any one of us as individuals to meet every single need he brings up in Scripture. Burnout. Um, Many of us know what burnout is. And... A lot of times, well, I know you can't say yes to everything. The church can't say yes to every need. But based on your current circumstances, what may you have to say no to? Um, I've seen volunteers burn out because they feel that if they don't do it, no one else is going to step up and do it. And sometimes I feel one of my greatest challenges in my role is to let people know, okay, maybe, (laughs) maybe we need to step back or step away from something. But, you know, if each one of us is doing what God has called us to do, where God has called us to do it, we're not going to have burnout because we're all doing our part. And some of the great ideas, some of the good things may not be at this current time what God wants us to be doing. He's put a calling on each one of us to respond to him in some way. Um, If you want, you can turn to these passages with me um, or you can just listen along with him. Isaiah 
If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. Acts 20.35 In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. James one twenty seven, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Matthew 25.31-40 When a son of man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then Luke 10, 1 through 2, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Where are you needing to respond to God's word? And where is he calling you to action? Now, what are you willing to do when it is time to respond? I think about the many different ways people can respond to seeing a need. It can be indifference. You can realize the cost and not think it worth it. You can think that's somebody else's problem. We can just be apathetic about it. Or we can do the head in the sand type of approach. Peter was willing to be obedient and go above and beyond. Peter's response is worship and obedience. Again, like I said earlier in his head, he's probably thinking, Jesus is asking me to do something that just does not make any sense. But yet he does it anyway. Um, Are you willing to go where it's uncomfortable? I'm going to pick on my missions team going to Rochester a little bit with this. I hope they don't mind. Um, So we're heading up to Rochester the end of June. And going into that trip, the expectation was that we will be doing a kids' VBS program throughout the morning and a children's VBS program then again throughout the evening. And as we're planning and doing everything else, the very first session we had together, I asked everyone to give me a list of strengths and weaknesses. And just about every, I think there's 14 of us, just about everyone had listed as their strengths working with children doesn't come as a surprise. We're going to do VBS ministries. Um, Almost everyone had listed as a weakness their 
They don't do well when they don't have control or order or something like that. Well, how many of you have been on missions trips? You know control and order and organization are not often a part of going on a missions trip. Well, we come to find out that, yeah, we'll get to do a VBS each day from 3.30 to 5, and that'll be it. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be our time working with children on this trip. The rest of the time, we'll be going and working at local missions or going and working with other local organizations that Marv Robinson um, lines up for us. But despite the uncomfortability, nobody's quit <laughs> going on that trip as of this point. Um, Going where you're uncomfortable, going where you have no control. Are you willing to go when and where it requires sacrifice? You know, there's something very special about going and doing in situations where the only possible way of success, however you may measure success, is if God intervenes. Um, It brings us to a place like we see Peter in verse 8, where he gets on his knees before Jesus and he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Um, We see ourselves in light of who Jesus is. Um, There's many stories, and I did not ask anyone if I could share any this morning, so I'm not going to share anything specific. But Oh, my goodness. What I love, love, love when come, someone comes up and may say, like I talked about earlier, Mike, I really think that we, I should do this or this is something I need to do, but I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how we're going to do this. And to say to them, well, here's, here's what we see. Here's what Scripture says. But, hey, if the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do it, do it. God will take care of it. And time and time again, when someone is following what God wants them to do, even though they look at it and it's not comfortable, it's something that makes them uneasy, or it's something that only God's going to make happen if he intervenes. And when that happens, just to see the worship it brings through them, and just to realize, wow, God, you have this in control. You have it under control. And just to see him work in that way. Do we have faith in God to do above and beyond what we could imagine? As a follower of Jesus Christ, where and how am I being his witness? Now, you think about the story that you can share when you see something like that happen. When something like that happens in your life. Um, they probably did not, the fishermen probably did not think they were going to catch anything. I don't know, to them it may have been a miracle just to get full nets of fish. But yet Jesus comes above and beyond and gives them a catch that is breaking the nets. Um, I'm not a commercial fisherman. I've never used or worked with commercial fishing nets. I've seen them, um, never messed with them, though. I would imagine that's a lot of weight (laughs) in that net to be able to have that many fish. And when Jesus goes above and beyond just the power in a story like that, Pastor Greg asked a question, I think, last week um, about what is the gospel. And Part of that, I'm not answering that question for you because I know some people emailed and asked (laughs) for answers, but part of that is our story is involved and Jesus working and active and alive. And where are we working with him? And how are we then sharing his story and being his witness? Um, Being a witness just isn't about sharing who Jesus Christ is. It's about sharing what he is doing. What is Jesus currently doing in your life? Where are you stepping out? following him and working in ways that he can work for you. Um, There's a lot of opportunities here at GBC and in our community. Um, If you look in the newsletter or bulletin, I wrote down a list 
of things where we need help and we need volunteers, greeters, ushers, coffee center, nursery workers, kitchen team, security, Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Center is looking for help, children's church, VBS is coming up this summer. There's various missions trips. If you walked in, you should have saw the Go Beyond banner. I think some of us are wearing some of the Go Beyond shirts this morning. Um, In three weeks, our clothing collection starts and our clothing giveaway starts. We're going to be working at the Claire House. We're going to be working with Gain Warehouse again, participating in a citywide cleanup, doing prayer walks in our neighborhood. And there's additional opportunities, I am sure, if you talk to people in this room, if you have something you're passionate about, if you have something that God has laid in your heart, there are plenty of opportunities to get involved for God's glory in this church and in the community behind, around you. Where is God's voice calling you right now? Maybe you have no idea what a relationship with Jesus even is, and that's the first step. And the Holy Spirit's calling you to find out who is Jesus and to have a relationship with him. Come find me afterwards. I'm glad to talk with you about that. Um, Is your relationship with Jesus so messed up you can't even hear him? Has it been so long since you've been in his word or had time in prayer with him that you can't even hear his voice if it's calling to you? Are you ignoring him? Are you over-involved? and need to let go of something? Is there areas where God's calling and asking you to get involved and get engaged, but it may mean you have to give something else up in order to do that? Are you ready to go and get to work? How are you going to respond? Are you willing to be obedient?